If you're in Winnipeg or you're in Regina, you show up to an event, walk into that room. You're probably going to see at least five people that you know that you can go talk to. Uh, and it's been so nice to see just the way that the community's built here. There's so much support that people have for, for one another. And I think that's been one of those big themes, uh, I think, over the last you know day or two. Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and the startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm your producer, Ariel Delorier, and today we're back in the Startupville Thunderdome live at the 2022 Startup Summit in Regina, Saskatchewan. We have a special guest host with us today who you all know and love from earlier seasons, and that's Mike Wolsfeld with Innovation Saskatchewan. Startup Summit is a local conference that focuses on connecting founders, mentors, and investors from across North America through curated one-to-one -one sessions, workshops, keynotes, and panel discussions. This year, Startupville received a personal invitation to attend and record interviews live on site during day two of the conference. We couldn't say no. Cultivator was so helpful in getting us set up with some of the keynote speakers and panelists to interview on this mini-series. So get comfy because we're diving into episode one of this two-part series right now. Welcome to Startupville. This special episode of Startupville is brought to you by Cultivator, Innovation Saskatchewan, and Martin Charlton Communications. Kicking off our Startup Summit series, we're joined by Danielle Graham, managing partner at Phoenix Fire and co-founder of The Firehood. Phoenix and Fire is an angel stage investment fund that applies a systematic, disciplined approach to investing in women entrepreneurs across Canada. And The Firehood is a movement that exists to support women in Canada to increase their participation, leadership, and prosperity in the tech ecosystem. We are with Danielle Graham at the Startup Summit at Cultivator HQ here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. I know you have a lot going on. Uh, give us the elevator pitch on what you do. So I've got, uh, I'm a general partner of a VC fund called Phoenix Fire. We're an all women LP, GP and women focused fund. And then I also have a broader network called the Firehood where we enable angels and women in tech to support women entrepreneurs. Awesome. So like you got two things going on here, both of which really rely on big, powerful networks. How have you gone about, you know, raising money from LPs, finding finding your angel investors for the angel group, building trust, and then building that, like, large network and community in there? Great question. Especially during COVID, it's been more challenging than usual. But I have been taking the approach for my entire career of building a lot of goodwill in the ecosystem and building a lot of support systems for women entrepreneurs and building the network around startups like um, I did Fierce Founders, the first female-focused tech accelerator eight years ago. I was part of a lot of the initiatives for Move the Dial in Toronto. So that was almost constant networking for three full years in downtown Toronto. Like I'm talking like three tech events a night. See some people almost at all of them too. So we were doing the rounds. But then COVID hit and suddenly I know these people. I have their emails. I have relationships with them. So I can tap back in and connect. And this gave them an access point to say, okay, I can still do something. I can still put my money where my mouth is. I can still support. And I need those access points even more because I can't get them myself because that networking doesn't exist anymore because we're all living in a much more virtual world. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's an interesting time to in venture capital and angel investing. The markets have ob obviously shifted a little bit. It's getting harder in some ways for, for founders to raise money. Uh, women in historically have always kind of had the, the short end of the stick they're getting the smaller proportion of the total fundraising is now would you say an opportunity for us to sort of rethink how we set up those systems and sort of 
double down and invest more in women founders? Or what are you seeing in, in, on that side of things? It's a good question. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of still early stage ecosystem building that needs to take place to create more inclusive networks for women entrepreneurs to get access to early stage angel funding that precipitates VC funding. So that was where I focused because I saw the major gap in the ecosystem for not only women, but like from an intersectional basis, women of color, um, LGBTQ plus founders, people with disabilities, newcomers, refugees, all of these people who have been building companies and have all the entrepreneurial skill, but what we consider a scalable, viable, investable tech company doesn't always translate when someone doesn't have the exposure to how to build the perfect pitch deck or come to a startup summit. So how do we create those inclusive environments? So a lot of what I've been doing is building beyond the ecosystem and having new people who have the capital but didn't know that they had access to invest in this type of asset class. Um, and then also thinking about from a broader standpoint for women, we are over 51% of the population, right? We're a large group who have been entrepreneurial and resourceful for forever. And so I think there's an opportunity there to say, how are we enabling people who want to innovate in their own way and build net new systems? And so as much as things are kind of falling apart, that creates room for the new things to grow. So I've been excited about the enthusiasm people have kind of put behind what I'm building, but also what other founders are building to say, we really want to think about these types of asset classes. We want to think new, different ways about how we invest our capital. And the people who don't are people who may never have and would just use that as an excuse not to invest, right? Right. I have those people who are always doing renovations, you know? <laughs> and you're like, are you really going to invest one day? <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. Time to move on. So is, is there something in the, in the sales pitch? I mean, like in Saskatchewan, we know really well sort of the power in underserved markets, right? Like people who are kind of getting looked over by traditional, traditional systems. Um, is there a pitch to like your LPs and the angel ne angel investors that you're bringing into your funds um, that, you know, investing in people that have kind of historically not been heard or part of the conversation, but they're coming in with a really unique perspective that's not the Silicon Valley perspective for how we solve problems or even what problems we're solving. Is that part of the pitch in terms of uh, investing in the space that you do? Yeah, I mean, those are exactly the type of founders that we're looking for, right? People who come with a different perspective that should be what all innovation disruption should be looking for, right? So I find it counterintuitive when it's not. Um, but I find that what I do with more of a, a broader ecosystem perspective, enabling processes that if people get into the pipeline, they can manage through, um, you know, we've got a broader group that will see all the companies and give crowdsourced feedback. So even if I don't necessarily see an opportunity, if someone else does, they can bring it forward. So we're also not limiting with our own personal biases as well. So trying to lead the way from a broader, um, not only unconscious bias, but like a net network of champions mm -hmm. because you need so much drive behind it. If it's not a yes, it's a no. And so who's saying a big yes and finding more people who want to say those big yeses for different types of founders. It's really interesting to see the new perspectives of these investors and then finding the founders who fit them. Yeah, no, yeah. that's awesome. So, yeah, it's kind of speaking about, um, you know, underserved markets and stuff. So you're from Toronto mm -hmm. and the Toronto tech scene. But this isn't your first time being in Saskatchewan and being around the Saskatchewan tech scene. What is it about Saskatchewan and the prairies that you come out for? 
good question. Well, you know, in the prairies. <laughs> you know, I told all my family was a political movement. <laughs> um, but I think the big thing for me is that I really like real people doing real things for real problems. And so I had met a few founders who were from Saskatchewan who came out for Fierce Founders, for example. I don't doubt any region in Canada has exceptional kind of niche, really kind of sometimes unsexy solutions that enable um, something that could actually scale because it fits in with so many other people's problems, right? We had like, you know, potato problems and PEI, right? <laughs> so uh, I find that like right on the edge is where you find something really cool and really unique. And I'm someone who likes to find those discoveries and support those founders from the beginning. And that's yeah. why I'm such an early stage investor. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. That, those are my favorite companies sometimes that they just had a unique problem that only they know or like very few people really know. And then they just decided to go out and solve it. And those founders, like they're not going to be like getting headlines and you know part of this tech scene in the same kind of way that like you know a big fintech crypto play is going to be or something like that because it's not that sexy thing it's not front and center you almost have to go out and find those people because they're just busy solving problems right yeah so how do you do that when you're like looking at uh like investing into companies i know there's probably a lot of people coming to you um but do you go out to founders and sort of seek them out as well and find those people who are kind of hidden uh, behind the scenes? Oh yeah, I find that, like I prefer to chase than be chased because then I know that I'm, I'm getting a kind of a more authentic relationship that's being mm -hmm. built. So it's almost like a talent scout, right? Who's sending your CDs versus did you go to the local bar and hear someone who could really sing? So I think there's a lot of cool stuff like that where we can build these. It's not just about finding someone. It's about building someone. And so if they have all the raw ingredients, there's a lot that can be put in, in place that can truly create that opportunity for them. Um, you know, I met an amazing founder one time out in rural New Brunswick, and she had a... Um, a system that her father had actually created that could allow for testing milk with um, cows for disease. Cow's milk for disease. And so she came out to Fierce Founders. She won the whole thing. Then she went to Buffalo and won all of 43 North. And now everyone knows her. But she was out there for four years building this thing. So actually that was way better because she was really looking at the problem. She was really finding that solution versus just playing the startup ecosystem game. Yeah. So... So what would be your advice then for like the other founders who are out there doing that? I mean, like there's a lot of talk, you know, in the ecosystem about, you know, what's a zombie startup, somebody who's been working at something, like you say, for four years, not getting a whole lot of traction, but then they make the right the connection or they find the right program and all of a sudden they hit that ramp. Like, what's your advice for some of those early stage founders who maybe feel like they're running into some some brick walls, but they really think that they're onto something? How do you start to get noticed start to get seen in that broader ecosystem. I think this goes back to some of the reasons why people invest in serial entrepreneurs, because they've created a process and they've created a system for learning and building something that's successful, whether it's in one space or another. So when you have those elements and people have gone through the entrepreneurial experience and truly learned from it and have succeeded by just pure force and grit and uh, tenacity, then that's what really builds character so that they can even go on to another entrepreneurial endeavor afterwards. So it's more about also that learning process. Mm -hmm. So I think they feel like they get obsessed with a problem and they're just trying to make that problem 
work, but what they need to be really doing is learning the entrepreneurial experience and testing and iterating and modeling and getting that feedback in a critical way that, you know, we had um, Alistair Cole here, right? Like lean analytics, use those metrics, use those models, fail fast and learn the process so that you can keep being an entrepreneur if that's what you want to be. Yeah, so don't get too married to the problem no. or the specific product, you know, get married to the process. To more of so the solution. Get yeah. obsessed with the problem, yeah. but not the specific solution right. that you've come up with. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us here in Startup Field today. Before we go, uh, we always want to make sure that our, our listeners can get in touch with our guests after the fact. So how can people get in touch with you? So I have Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Danielle B. Graham. I also have the Firehood on Twitter and LinkedIn. And then my email is danielle at firehood.net. Perfect. Daniel Graham, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Next in the hot seat, local startup founder Brad Fakula of Fix It Up. Fix It Up provides a safe, reliable, and convenient quoting experience that identifies the best quality and price in your target market, saving you time and money. Okay, we are here at Startup Summit with Brad Fakula from Fix It Up. Uh, welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so you're here at the Startup Summit. You're a startup yourself. Uh, tell me uh, what. Uh, tell me about Fix It Up and what do you do? Yeah, yeah. The story on Fix It Up is we uh, we started as kind of an Amazon for services. You know, you can go on Amazon. You can pretty much order anything. On Fix It Up, you can go on and post projects on pretty much anything and get quotes from local companies. So. Uh, if you need a plumber, uh, you can go on it. You can post kind of what you're looking for, whether it's a bathroom renovation. You, know, you put in all your details, all your pictures, and then it shoots it out to the 90 plumbers in Regina, and they quote back uh, bids on on if they're interested in your project. Awesome. Yeah, as a homeowner myself, I, I definitely see the value in that. Like everybody in Saskatchewan, I mean, like it's always kind of been like everybody has a guy, right? Yeah. I have, you know, I'm doing my bathroom. I've got a, I got a tile guy. I've got a, you know, plumbing guy. Um, but I can definitely see for the next generation for myself, I mean, like we don't always have that guy anymore. So yeah. seeing the value of bringing in that, that, uh, that startup that everybody's kind of familiar with how to use technology, um, bring that into their home. Um, so what have you kind of seen in, the, uh, in certain sort of the response, like from the contractor side, but then also from the homeowner side? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting, so we've, we started in kind of 2016 with the whole idea of doing it residential. The last two years, we made a really big pivot with Fix It Up, and we are now powering corporations' procurement and tendering processes. So, you know, companies out there like Sastel, you know, Sask Power, Sask Energy, City of Saskatoon, etc., they do thousands of projects a year, and they have a tough time. And believe it or not, a lot of them still pick up the phone and make phone calls to get those three plus quotes and do all their tendering processes. So we still do the residential for Fix It Up, but really our bread and butter is corporations. And we're starting to power, like Sastel, we got a partnership with them last year on powering all their projects under $25,000 in the province. So basically they're building technicians put on, we're looking for a roof in LaRange, and then it, our software shoots it all out to all the, the different businesses in the area. And then they basically can get bids from that they kind of vet, vet all their companies through our software as well. So we partnered uh, last year uh, with the SAS Construction Association and uh, a company called SupplierLink. And so SupplierLink is our kind of profiles in the businesses. So it outlines that businesses have 5 million liability insurance, 
course certificate course certifications their you know all their incidents and all their safety materials are built into the profiles so it really gives corporations a, a good sense of here's all the bids here's all the companies and here's the companies that have all their insurance and everything all together and then almost like a safety metrics of hey this is the one company we want to go with so it's kind of a one-stop shop for corporations to do vendoring and to check in on vetted companies awesome yeah i love that i mean like uh for a lot of people building a company going like con the consumer route is always like that sexy you know way to go right but yeah. oftentimes like uh no, most times enterprise are where the biggest problems exist and the biggest amount of money exists as well like Walk me through like that decision-making process. What kind of made you uh, think about doing that pivot from consumer to enterprise? Yeah, absolutely. So we had a lot of project coming in with like a low, uh, uh, a low turn, I guess, on uh, on them actually following through and p picking the business. So you know, me as a homeowner, I'm looking at getting a new deck. Uh, I got eight quotes. You know, it's coming in at five thousand dollars. Well, I don't have that money right now to do the deck. I was just kind of kicking tires to see what it would cost corporations are needing that done so i think the budgets you know when sastel is looking to get a quote on a paving paving or plumbing or a office reno they're going through with that so the pivot was mainly due to the um just the con the con i guess the, the the company's actually pulling through and pulling the trigger um plus budgets are allocated at the start of the year for construction with a lot of these corporations I don't have a construction budget as a homeowner. It's it's dependent <laughs> on it's de it's dependent <laughs> on checks, right? That come in and, and what's going on and and you know and so forth. So the and the corporations, you know, the reporting, they, a lot of them had issues with how many projects are under twenty twenty five thousand that you did last year, and because it's a lot under those lower thresholds, they don't have to go with a company. They can just pick someone local and, and work it out by phone. They didn't really have a good reporting system to be able to pull all the projects. Um, I mean, our software tells them if it's an indigenously owned company, a women-owned company, it can pull, um, obviously, all the insurance and the profile stuff, but they can run a report based on a, a user and pull up all the projects with how many bids were, what times those bids came in. They can break down those analytics, and that becomes really valuable to them because they can see, you know, uh, it, we did this project last year, and this is who all bid, and this is what came in, and this is who was chosen, and this is the reviews on them, and the internal feedback is all provided within our software. So the corporation route was kind of a no-brainer once we started hammering out um, user residential users versus corporations. So perfect, yeah. And it sounds like that that pivot sort of paid off. And now you're having like lots of traction in that space. Yeah. Um, so you're a startup. You're at Startup Summit. We're on day two here in the morning. Um, tell me a bit about like your experience here at the conference. Like what 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 have you gotten out of it so far? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, the, the guest speakers yesterday were awesome. Um, they broke down a lot of, like, the, the lean analytics is right up our alley. You know, being lean, being flexible has provided us with a lot of opportunities uh, within the, in the, the province. Um, so hearing, you know, how, you know, a, a lot of the stats that uh, I think his name was Alaire, or the first speaker uh, was talking about were, were things that I was writing down, you know, and going back to our board and being like, what's our key metric? Well, our key metric is projects it's our gasoline the more projects we get the more you know potential of money we can make so just kind of narrowing down and really thinking about our business plan and, and and he did a really good job of laying that out and then today i mean we have a lot of more panels um it's great hearing from other companies about what they're doing how you know what's what what's it like to find a developer in this you know in this world because we're doing a lot of de development right now 
and looking at you know finding developers that can do React softwares and, and or React websites and so forth. So just being in amongst all these founders and, and the energy and learning from one another is I mean it's huge for our ecosystem. So awesome, yeah. No community is everything, right? Um, so you're based here in Regina, um, in in Saskatchewan. So what would you say like is kind of something that ha- that that Regina has or Saskatchewan has that you can't get somewhere else that's really helping your company move forward? Yeah, I mean, uh, Saskatchewan, just like a lot of the prairies, very friendly people. Um, you know, to be able to go into a corporation like a Sastel or, you know, these major corporations and be able to talk to the CEO or even like the director of procurement in many other places, it's not, there's you're stonewalled at the, at the receptionist, right? I love Saskatchewan. I always say I would never have gotten so far if it wasn't for being started in Saskatchewan because CEOs and, and uh, directors of procurement and anyone I talk to has gives me time. And, and whereas I find if I called on Toronto or BC or other places, you know, it's a lot harder to get in because they're, they're just bombarded with more people like us trying to get in the door. But Saskatchewan, because it's a new, new area for startups, they seem to be more open-minded. And, and I, I love that about being here. So Yeah, that's awesome. That's the prairie spirit. You know, we're a small region. We always kind of feel like we need to work together on things, right? And there's less gatekeeping and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to close this out here, uh, but we always want to make sure that uh, our, our listeners can get in touch with our guests after the show. So how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is fixitup.repair. So uh, just F-I-X-I-T-U-P dot repair instead of dot com. Go on there. Projects are free to post. Try it out. Uh, we are always looking for user feedback. We have 250 categories on there. So if you're looking for anything, uh, for a quote from Saskatoon, Regina, anywhere in Saskatchewan, throw it on there. It's all free for users. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks. Our last guest today is Vanessa Kotler, head of people at PolicyMe. PolicyMe is a digital life insurance company on a mission to put families first with simple and affordable insurance through their online platform. Vanessa oversees everything on the people side of things and is on their leadership team. All right, we are here with Vanessa Kotler from PolicyMe at Startup Summit in Regina. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so tell me a little bit about what you do and what what PolicyMe does. Yeah, of course. We are a digital life insurance company based out of Toronto. And essentially, we digitize the process of buying life insurance. So a traditional process that would look like going to a broker and can be quite time consuming uh, for a consumer. For most people, we can get you with an underwritten policy in about 20 minutes, uh, which is a very different experience. And we are digital, so you can do that all online. But we also have real life advisors that you can talk to if you would like a human human to connect with. Uh, and in terms of what I do, I'm the head of people at PolicyMe, so I oversee everything on the people side of things, and I'm also part of the leadership team there. Awesome. So uh, you're solving an important problem. Uh, I have a dad who sells life insurance, and I know that he talks about all the time people end up not buying it because they're afraid of the process, they're afraid of you know everything involved. It sounds like you simplify all of that. Yeah. Yeah, essentially <laughs> what I do. Yeah. Perfect. So about what stage, what stage is the company at? We... Uh, I guess, depending on when this is going to air out, we're just about closing our Series A. Oh, awesome. So you're a growing company. Yeah, we're 50 people. 50 people, right. And so as the head of people, how are you uh, working through sort of this stage of the growth process, onboarding, building culture within the company? I'm assuming with that raise, there's going to be a lot more hiring coming up. Like walk me through kind of where you're at right now. Yeah, so uh, I joined just over a year ago, and we were about 35, and now we're 50. 
And one of the biggest focuses for me over the last year has been maturing everything on the people side of things for the organization. I think that as you start getting a little bit bigger is when you really start to see the areas that you essentially need to strengthen so that the company can scale effectively. And top of mind right now is how do we continue to maintain our high performance culture as we scale? So what that means is integrating that into everything from how we hire to how we onboard to how we upskill to how we recognize, to also figuring out when someone potentially is not the right fit. One of the things we were talking about earlier at the conference was you know, hiring for what you need today and essentially understanding that startups change and grow and you need to be super mindful of what you need in a human today might not be exactly the same as what you might need in a human two years from now. Uh, so it's been a really interesting experience uh, and there's kind of a lot more we could dive into in, in any of those areas too. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, you kind of, you said you joined a company, you know, as it was already kind of, uh, it was kind of already growing at the point you joined the company, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. And then, so for, for early stage founders that are maybe just starting to get traction, just starting to make their first hires, for somebody who's come into a startup at a growth stage, at a later stage, and sort of preparing them for that next stage of the company, what can the early stage founders sort of learn from, from what you've done, so that they're setting things up right from the start? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it depends in what part of essentially the entire process that is the, the people side of things. I think one of the most important things is to get really clear on what makes your company different and how you're gonna position your vision and why someone would wanna join you and understanding what the values are for the culture of the organization. I think when you're bringing in new humans, one of the things that you wanna consider is how are they adding to our culture? Or how are they going to make this place better and what is it that they bring that maybe we don't have yet or that would help us grow in a way that's going to be meaningful for us to give a few maybe more specific examples i think when you're at that earlier stage one of the things that's so important is the transparency in identifying that you don't know everything and when you're looking to hire new individuals, letting them know, hey, like this may not be a perfect process and that's okay. You know, I may make mistakes doing this because it might be my first time doing it. <laughs> and I think people can relate with the honesty and the authenticity of identifying those areas and just being mindful of, hey, you're actually hiring another person. Mm -hmm. So letting them know what you're going through, what you're actually looking for help with and being transparent about what they're joining I think is so valuable so that the person then feels like they can really own their role, own the experience, and that if you're open and transparent with them, that's kind of the environment that they're going to be joining, right? Yeah, no, I, I think it's so easy to forget in business that we're hiring people and we're working with human beings. And oftentimes when you're coming in new, new to a company and you're nervous and you're maybe a little bit, uh, you know, uh, on guard to to be encountered with you know somebody who's willing to be vulnerable with you and and say yeah you know the pro we might not have this all right and that's why we're bringing you into the company too. exactly want to learn from you as much as you can learn from us so no that's really a f refreshing uh perspective for sure <coughs> um so you're visiting here in regina at the startup summit from uh you, you said you're from all yeah. over the place. I, uh, I flew in so. from Paris on Monday. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been a funny joke of I left Paris for Regina, which I did. Uh, and yeah, uh, my, my base is technically in Winnipeg, but we're very remote friendly. 
So we enable our people to work from different places where, wherever they feel that they would like to be based. Uh, so I, I would say I am definitely part of the prairies and I feel a strong affinity to it uh, be, being in Winnipeg, but I've also had the fortunate opportunity to work from a, a number of different places over the last years. Yeah, awesome. So I, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective as somebody who's worked in the prairies, but not in Saskatchewan and has worked all over the place. Um, what have you kind of seen in the last few days in Regina and Saskatchewan and the founders here and the community here? Um, anything that's like, surprised you or what do you think about the, about the sector? Yeah, I think one of the things that has been so nice to see is how tight-knit the community is. I think uh, I, I feel something similar in Winnipeg. Something about the smaller city vibe where everyone knows each other. It's so nice to see the way that people engage and connect here and they show up. And you're showing up to a place where you can show up alone because you know there's going to be people that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to live in Toronto and sometimes I remember what felt overwhelming was if you go to an event and you show up alone, you may actually end up there alone. You don't know anyone <laughs> there. But if you're in Winnipeg or you're in Regina, you show up to an event walk into that room you're probably going to see at least five people that you know that you can go talk to uh, and it's been so nice to see just the way that the community is built here there's so much support that people have for for one another and i think that's been one of those big themes uh, i think over the last you know day or two the level of support that people have for the community and even hearing about some of the opportunities and the ways that people are, are sharing of hey you know i spoke to this person who was a really great investor for me and here's why uh, there's just been a lot of really interesting discussion as to the, the ways that people in the community support one another. Awesome. Yeah, that, that big, small town vibe that we're all, all used to in the prairies here. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, before we go, uh, we always want to make sure that our guests can get in touch or our listeners can get in touch with our guests. So uh, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I would say I'm very active on LinkedIn. Probably the best way to, to get a hold of me. So just my full name on LinkedIn. And I'm always happy to chat and connect. Amazing. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Startup Bill is brought to you by Innovation Saskatchewan, helping grow the tech sector in our province and beyond, and is brought to you in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at WeTellYourStories.ca. A special thank you goes out to our friends over at Cultivator for allowing us to set up the Startup Bill Thunderdome at the 2022 Startup Summit in Regina, Saskatchewan, allowing us to bring this exclusive content to our listeners. Our show is produced by me, Ariel Delorier, and today, our special guest host, Mike Wolsfeld. Our theme music is from Gigi Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville. Follow us on Twitter at startupvillepod and find us on LinkedIn at startupvillepodcast. Don't forget to review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us rise up the ranks. See you next time on Startupville.